Our job is to start with the belief that 100% of our clients are going to turn into raving fans. And so if that's the point of view we start with, what do we have to do? Most people think the goal of marketing is to get people to buy your product, but the relationship doesn't have to end there. For good marketers, that's only the beginning. It forces us to really focus as much energy on the customer experience as it does on getting the click or getting the email. You're listening to the Personal Injury Marketing Mastermind, the show where elite personal injury attorneys and leading edge marketers give you exclusive access to growth strategies for your firm. John Jantz has been getting people to rethink marketing for over 35 years. Through his company, Duct Tape Marketing, and his best-selling book by the same name, John has trained thousands of small and local business owners on a practical approach to getting and keeping customers. He walked me through his marketing system and told me why being a podcast guest can be your new secret weapon. I'm your host, Chris Stryer, founder and CEO of Rankings.io. We help elite personal injury attorneys dominate first page rankings with search engine optimization. Being at the forefront of marketing is all about understanding people. So let's get to know our guest. Here's John Jantz, founder and CEO of Duct Tape Marketing. I actually was very influenced by Michael Gerber's work. I'm sure some of your listeners are familiar with the E-Myth. I, uh, so much, uh, you know, again, this was before I'd really started duct tape marketing. I actually uh, licensed and became a certified E-Myth consultant. And the E-Myth really kind of covers all areas of a business. And so I actually started consulting, you know, using the E-Myth system with a lot of businesses. And I found out that we couldn't pass go because their marketing was so broken. That was the one that was really the area that tripped them up. I think the E-Myth was a great, great program, but marketing was probably the weakest part of that program, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, and some of the digital stuff was just starting to come on. And, and so that wasn't addressed at all. And so I really give uh, Gerber's program a lot of credit for me starting duct tape marketing, because what I realized was, yes, you could do pretty much every element of, of a business can be systemized. That was a big part of the e-myth, but a lot of people couldn't see marketing that way. That was the one area that just was this very gray kind of area. And so that's really what I set out to do was, was to systemize or create a marketing uh, systematic approach to marketing where I could walk in and say, look, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what you're going to do. Here are the results we hope to get. And by the way, here's what it costs. And that, uh, you know, essentially trying to turn you know, the service into a product uh, was kind of the genesis of duct tape marketing. That's such a fantastic story. And I remember, I think it was in 2015, I was at one of those breaking points where uh, I'm trying to do everything early on in my business. And I, I found the E-Myth book and I read it and I'm like, it was just light bulb clicked and, and it really helped me. But I, I took it, yeah, in, in the same way as what you're saying, more of just processes and getting in that technician, manager, entrepreneur type state, the, you know, the mandatory, the needed, then the optional type of shifts. And as an owner, a lot of the underpinning of what you do is these marketing systems that duct tape marketing. So for our audience that isn't familiar, could explain some of those tenets and the philosophies of, uh, that you have at duct tape marketing. For sure. So the, the idea of marketing as a system is, is probably the foundation of that is that, that strategy before tactics. Uh, so many business owners, and frankly, I think that's why this appealed to a lot of business owners. Uh, so many business owners are really struggling today to buy marketing services because 
it's gotten more complex. Everybody's selling a piece of the puzzle. <laughs> you know, everybody's like, you need Facebook ads, you need SEO, you need whatever the flavor of the day, or frankly, whatever they're selling, you know, is what the small business owner needed. And the idea that it wasn't all built around or, or chosen around the idea of, you know, who's our ideal client, what's our offer that we can make to them or a core message that's so compelling that, that you know, we're going to stand out and differentiate ourselves. And that's really where we start. Now, some of the tactic things, you know, certainly come into play, of course, but, but what tactics and how we approach the tactics, maybe what platforms we're even on, are really driven by this, this strategy first, the strategy foundation. And content has really, for us, become kind of the voice of strategy. Still, a lot of people look at it as a tactic uh, that they have to do because, you know, that's what people do today. But it's really the greatest tool to guide the customer journey, you know, built around a strategy. So starting with a strategy and then integrating, you know, all of these various tactics um, is, is kind of the approach that we've uh, taken and kind of built my entire uh, career. I love that. There, there are so many channels popping up, whether it's TikTok or, you know, Clubhouse and you've got YouTube Reels. It can be really enticing. Those shiny objects just popping around everywhere. But if you just try to you know, I love Grant Cardone. I'm, I'm a big Grant Cardone, 10X, you know, outworking everyone. But if the strategy's not there, you can really just tread water and just not get anywhere. The problem with some of those folks that are preaching that stuff is they really are kind of dragging people into the next big, you know, thing, you know, that maybe they can master that works for them. But, you know, the, the thing that I see that for anybody that follows anybody that calls himself a guru is what they do works for them. <laughs> and it's probably not going to work for you in the same way and might not even make sense for you. And so, you know, you really got to figure out, you know, who you're trying to serve, how, you know, who can you provide the most value to and build really all of your marketing around that or attracting those folks and not. If you want to be the next influencer on, you know, Clubhouse, you know, God bless you, but you know, it's probably not, you know, the path for most. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, we've had a lot of guests on here that have been successful with different marketing channels, whether it's an Alexander Shinara. We haven't had Alex on the show, but you know, he's killed it with billboards and we had individuals that have done great with TV or SEO or Facebook. So yeah, there's just a lot of different approaches if you get that strategy right and it's for you. Kind of shifting, there's there's one thing that you talk about that's a, a bit different. And I think it's just so intriguing. Yeah, you've developed this paradigm of the the marketing hourglass as opposed to the marketing funnel. You know, could you walk us through what the marketing hourglass is and and how it's a bit different than, from the traditional funnel? Yeah. So for us, it's it's really the customer journey. And I called it the marketing hourglass before it became kind of cool to talk about the customer journey, which is you know, something that, you know, this every marketer talks about today. But what I saw was everybody out there pitching this idea of the funnel, you know, the shape uh, funnels down, you know, you get as many people up there at the top and, you know, eventually a few of them will funnel down and turn into clients. And what I always thought was when I got a client, I want to serve them so well that I grow with them. You know, I don't want to have to just go out and get more. Uh, because I wasn't selling a $29 product, right? I was selling a service that I, I hope to have clients for life. And so to me, how could I build intentionality into that idea? And, and so instead of, you know, creating demand, you know, I think what we try to do is organize behavior around seven stages. And those stages are no like trust, try by, repeat, and refer. And so the hourglass metaphor is really just acknowledges that, you know, you take the funnel 
And then once somebody goes through the funnel, you know, it kind of expands back out again. And that's really the approach that we've, you know, always taken is that, you know, our job is to start with the belief that 100% of our clients are going to turn into raving fans. And so if that's, you know, if that's the point of view we start with, what do we have to do, you know, 45 days after they become a client, 90 days after they become a client? What it does is it forces us to really focus as much energy on the customer experience as it does on getting the click or getting the email open. I think that's critical. I've worked with a lot of personal injury firms and they concentrate on getting that lead, but then it's like, you know, the the experience may not be as good and then they have a more difficult time getting those reviews and, and being an SEO expert, you understand how important those reviews are. And uh, it just makes sense. Well, and, and just you, because you and I have talked before, I mean, I think that your industry, the SEO particularly industry, you know, has a bit of a bad reputation for smoke and mirrors and like, what did I really buy? I mean, I can't tell you how many business owners I talk to, they have no idea what they bought. <laughs> you know, they, right. they pay, pay somebody X amount a month. And so, you know, firms like yours, and I know that you do this, that actually create a great experience that actually teach and and educate on the results that they're getting and communicate. I mean, it's such a great way to differentiate. Well, thank you for that, John. I appreciate it. Pivoting a little bit, I wanted to talk a little bit about podcasting. You've been in the game since 2007. You know, what drew you to podcasting in the first place and what's what's kept you at it for almost 15 years? You know, it was one of those things where I had been blogging for a few years and and really saw the the, the advantage of kind of getting on that early. Uh, it just was a to me, I'd already been producing content. I'd been, you know, writing articles for article directories and things. Blogging came around. It was just like, oh, here's a better place to put my content anyway. Podcasting felt like a bit like the same thing. It was kind of new. It was early on, but it also just felt to me like another way to produce content. But the thing about it that was so intriguing to me is that I was able to get just about anybody I wanted to, to come on my show. And so it was like, you know, Seth Godin was a, a, an early, most of your listeners, I'm sure, at least have some uh, knowledge of who he is. He was one of the earliest guests on my show. Had I sent him an email and said, hey, I'd love to pick your brain for 20 minutes, you know, he probably wouldn't even have replied. But when I said, hey, I'd like to talk about your new book on my show, um, next thing I know, uh, you know, Seth Godin's a good friend and he's writing a blurb for my, you know, my first book. And so I just saw it as a great way to get to have conversations with people I wanted to have conversations with. Now, you know, I've been doing it a long time, so it's grown and turned into a, a revenue stream for us and a great, you know, marketing component, but I would still do it today because of the conversations that I get to have. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's a way to give value and, you know, get your foot in the door. What other advantages do podcasts have over maybe other marketing channels? I know you, you touched on a few of them, but uh, just, just, just your overall thoughts there. I mean, it's, let's face it, it's content. I mean, so that's a starting point, but it's content that can be cut up into little pieces. It's content that can be transcribed. And so it can be a different format of, of content. You and I are doing this uh, today uh, with video cameras on. So all of a sudden we've got another form or format. So that's one of the things. But I think that particularly the pure audio component of it, it's probably the most portable content because you know, somebody can listen to it in their car, they can walk the dog, they can be on the treadmill, and they're consuming your content. So from a just pure content play, that adds a lot of value. But there are also some people, I know when I write a book, 
if the audiobook version doesn't come out on the same day, you know, I am instantly here from people because it's a format that that there are people that that's the only way they consume content. So those are some of, of the advantages of, of having it from a just a pure content standpoint. But also, you know, regardless of the kind of business. Now, I'm a marketer and I interview authors who typically and quite often are in marketing you know, space on my show. I had you on my show. So for me, it's a great way for me to get external content that I'm not, you know, I can bring the best of the best at any specific thing. And now I own that content and I have that content on, on my side and people come to my site and they go, oh, wow, this is your top 10 guests you know, on your show. So it certainly uh, has the ability to elevate your authority, you know, create great content, create content that's, you know, it's very shareable and very portable, but also I think gives you kind of the ability to, to offer some expertise. And, and I'll take that down to a maybe a different level. You could be that local consultant who works with CEOs of manufacturing firms in your city. Well, going out and having those, inviting the CEOs of those firms who, let's face it, are actually prospects <laughs> to be interviewed on your show is a tremendous way to get sort of a backdoor sales conversation <laughs> or at least a, hey, here's who we are conversation while at the same time serving them and producing great content for yourself. So there's so many, so many benefits to podcasting. Yeah. And, and with the domain authority that your site has, I imagine that any of piece of, any article that you upload to it stands a great chance to rank because, you know, your site's got over 10,000 referring domains and just a ton of authority. Yeah. I mean, there's no question that, that, you know, that comes with a lot of time and a lot of, you know, effort that we've put into it, but there's no question, you know, a link from our site, you know, when I have somebody on to the person that's been my guest, you know, we link to their ebook, we link to whatever their course, you know, whatever they tell us, you know, that is valuable. You know, those links have tremendous value. And, and obviously, I know your, your audience, a lot of SEO folks, and, you know, they, they get the idea that backlinks yeah. are a big part of the, always probably will be, but so certainly today are a big part of the SEO puzzle. And that's another, for the guest, um, that's a tremendous benefit in, in many cases is, is today. I think it's one of the best ways to get really potent, useful backlinks is to be guests on, on podcasts. Not only does John have his own podcast, he started a company that helps connect podcast hosts with potential guests. It's called Podcast Bookers. I wanted to know how it worked and what value people can get from appearing on podcasts. So we realized the value of backlinks of getting people on podcasts. And, and I think there's a bit of a gap. There's probably more podcasts out there than there are guests on podcasts in, in some cases. And so realizing there's a little bit of a gap, what we started podcast bookers to do was to get the attorney, the remodeling contractor, you know, the people that weren't thinking about, oh, I need to be on podcasts, to book them on podcasts and get them to start seeing the value of, you know, once a week or two times a month or something being on somebody's podcast. And then, you know, over time, building their expertise, giving them a library of, of, you know, audio content that they can start referencing. And let's face it, getting, you know, great backlinks to their sites as well. Basically what we do is somebody comes to us, they say, here's who I am. Here's what I want to talk about. And we get them on shows. I mean, that's, that's the simple you know, thing. They can buy two, three, five a month, whatever they want to do. But we also 
follow up, we get them booked, you know, we help them get, you know, the material that they can put out there so that they can get on, on shows or show that they are indeed an expert and help them develop their topics that they want to talk about and things. But, you know, the, the, somebody goes out and does that for, you know, a few months, first off, they get good at it, uh, which, you know, helps to get more comfortable with it. But the thing that, you know, a lot of people have been doing like guest posting and things like that for a long time. It's a lot of work (laughs) to write, you know, theoretically exclusive content, then go out and find somebody who wants it. And then let's face it, a lot of sites anymore that accept guest posts. I mean, it's on there with the 10 others that they got that day. And who knows if it'll ever see the light of day. But on a podcast, that host who, who does that show is very intent on getting ears on that show. They're going to promote that show. They're going to promote that you are on that. You know, there typically will be social posts that go along with your appearance. And so not only do you get this great backlink, not only do you get this great content, you're probably going to get audience at a far greater level than on, say, a guest blog post. I absolutely love everything about that. And, you know, I think a lot of, uh, and I know you know this yourself, working with, with your clients, that your clients aren't they want to help the agency do whatever they can, you know, whatever it takes to make this success. And you get that question a lot, you know, what, what else could we be doing? And I love it when we have a client that's, that's willing to do podcasts. So we had a couple of our clients use your service and it's just a way to activate them to help with the link building tactics. And, and like you said, you know, if you guess post, who knows if that'll be promoted on social media who knows when it will even be crawled. There's just so many aspects of podcasting and promoting a book, promoting your own podcast. I just, I just love everything about it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. From an SEO provider standpoint, it's, it's sort of the sneaky little trick, right? Your, your client is now actually that they're building backlinks uh, for you. So you don't have to go off to some site in Belarus and just buy them. Right. right. Not everyone wants to go do a podcast. So you do those competitive analysis. You got some people that have those links from podcasts and others that don't. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think for anybody that's in professional services of any type, it's a no brainer. I mean, because it, mm-hmm. you know, professional service sale, uh, hiring an attorney, hiring an accountant is, is so um, involved. The trust is such a big factor uh, in that. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you are on these shows, uh, somebody else saw you as an expert, I think those that goes into the trust building box. But I tell you, increasingly, I don't think there's a business out there that can't benefit uh, from it. Uh, obviously, it, it's more potent for some, but it certainly has, uh, I think, in terms of relative time spent, it has uh, uh, benefits really for anybody. I don't care what industry you're in. Absolutely. And, and we've talked uh, you know, a little bit about podcast bookers and the benefits there and, and uh, duct tape marketing and, and everything you do there. What, you know, tell us a little bit about how you are certifying and developing marketers. Well, so uh, when I started this approach that I uh, talked about, this systematic approach, I called it duct tape marketing because I felt like it needed a brand name. I built uh, a full practice, but I didn't really want to build an agency per se with all the you know in-house staff. And so I documented it. I started selling kind of a course, if you will, uh, called Duct Tape Marketing. And I started attracting other independent marketing consultants and agencies that you know were experiencing the same thing I had. They wanted to work with small business owners, but it's kind of frustrating. Uh, so, so they wanted to use my methodology. And so I started a network. It's called the Duct Tape Marketing Consultant Network. We've got about 150 uh, today independent agencies uh, around the world that 
license our material, get all of our training, get certified, but, but ultimately uh, collaborate with each other. Uh, about 75% of the folks in our network are solopreneurs. And uh, so, you know, anybody who's, uh, who's doing it, you know, because we can now, you can build a nice business all by yourself right. uh, today, uh, but it can be a little lonely out there to not have anybody to really collaborate with or to even bounce ideas off of or you know, get uh, best practices from. So, you know, people join our network really for all the tools and, and processes that we've built, but they, they stick around because it's just a great, you know, it's great having that community and that network. John's a bit of an overachiever. In addition to his business, his other business, his consulting network, and his podcast, he's also a successful author. His seventh book, The Ultimate Marketing Engine, comes out in September 2021. I asked John what readers could expect to learn from the book. One of the things that I signed the contract for this book um, like a, a week before the first lockdowns started in, the, in uh, 2020 during the, the pandemic. And I didn't want to write a how to market in a pandemic you know, kind of book. But one of the things that became really clear to me during this period that we all went through was that, you know, I had a lot of clients, some of really not by any fault of being in the wrong industry at the wrong time, got wiped out. But I also saw a lot of businesses that, that were able to adjust and hang in there and, and actually even are thriving now. And the key thing that, that it's always been true, but it was just so highlighted during that period was in really good times. I mean, businesses can profit just by, you know, being in the right industry, but in yeah. tough times, businesses prosper because they mean something to their customers. I mean, there were businesses that people wanted to stay in business that went out of their way <laughs> to keep in business or to, you know, to rally around the community. So this book, um, it, you know, the ultimate marketing engine is really presents this idea of looking at our customers as members. I don't mean membership model, subscription model. I mean, those are great models, but I'm talking about even a service business that rather than looking at them as, okay, here's what I provide. Here's what you said you want to buy. Here it is. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what if you actually looked at it and said, look, here's where you are today but here's where you want to go. How can we get you there? And so instead of just saying, here's what we sell, the book really outlines something I call the customer success track, where you're able to analyze the, the stage that every one of your customers is in, the characteristics of that stage, the challenges of that stage, and the promise of maybe moving to the next stage with the idea that, you know, I'm sure you see this, most, most of our marketing clients come in in what we call foundational stage. You know, their website's kind of a wreck. They, they really have just been iffy on content. Um, they're not sure what's going on in SEO. So we've got to build that, that foundation, but we ultimately want to take them to the point where they're now, you know, now their website's generating not just leads, but conversions um, that we want to take them to, the, you know, the level where now they're adding more products and services. So essentially the plan is to evolve them, to mature them, not just to fix what it is and right. generate more leads. Ultimately, you get to the point where you are growing with your customers as opposed to you know, going out and finding new customers. So it, it ultimately leads to this idea that, that you know, you're, you're receiving most of your business by virtue of the fact that you have happy customers. Now, I get into a lot of tactical elements of that, but it really starts with a point of view that your job is not to just serve the customer. It's to help them mature and help them go to where they want to go. 
Yeah, that's that's wonderful. And I, I think, you know, a lot of sales conversations, they probably start out with here are your issues. Right. And it I, I think what I'm hearing is it needs to be like more where do you want to go type right. of conversations. Well, it is. And and one of the things that, you know, it gets rather involved, but one of the the attributes of that is once you kind of map that out, then you can actually say, okay, if they're in this stage, what are the milestones that they need to achieve in order to go to the next stage? And the reason I love that is because milestones are typically yes or no. Did you do this? Did you not do this? So instead of something like, is their website, you know, effective? That might be something somebody might ask. Well, I don't know. <laughs> you know, how do you answer that? But does it load effectively on a mobile device? Yes or no? Okay, well, <laughs> then we can move on to the next thing. So each of our stages has, in some cases, hundreds of milestones. And so it's not just a matter of identifying these and just because it sounds nice to say from where you are to where you want to go. But but right. we're actually systemized that to, you know, 100 little yes or no questions. And of course, obviously, tasks that go along with those questions. So you literally can create an entire blueprint that, that answers that. OK, well, here's how you get <laughs> to where you want to go. And, and I think that. When I started really embracing this thinking and this point of view, it really changed how we looked at our customers. It changed certainly how we serve them, but it also changed the conversations we're having with them. We're having much deeper conversations in the beginning, you know, rather than to responding to what we think their problem is. I love that. And then you can find synergies and and there's complete alignment in regards to the goals. So really excited about that book coming out. And I've listened to other interviews you've done and you read more than most individuals. I would say, you know, I've heard you read 50 to 100 plus books every single year, you know, so I generally don't ask this question. and I'm sure you've been asking a ton, but, you know, what are some of the books that you recommend, particularly on the business or marketing side? So full disclosure, you know, part of the reason I read so many books is I I do over 100 interviews uh, with um, authors. Uh, and so... I may not read them cover to cover, but because I read so many books in marketing and business, I'm, I'm constantly looking for inspiration in other areas. I find that some of my greatest innovations come from reading books about architecture or nature or, or you know, science or math, as opposed to just sticking in the little bubble of books that we all, you know, all have a tendency to read. So I will say that, you know, if I gave you a list of all the books that I read last year, you know, you'd find some, you know, some seemingly strange uh, ones uh, on there. But I, I just I guess it's because I get sort of force fed so many of the current marketing books. I'm always out there looking for, you know, topics that uh, seem interesting to me. I'll, I'll tell you the one that I'm just finishing up is uh, the mythology of wolves in literature throughout history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a different one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's so interesting? You know, Val, I'll give you the two-second uh, version of that book. You know, we all we all know Red Riding Hood and the Big Red Wolf, and you know, the wolf has been um, really demonized uh, as an animal, but as a as a you know mythological character uh, throughout literature, and it's really done a lot to. And again, I'm, I won't get on my soapbox here, but it's done a lot to really, uh, you know, people want to kill wolves. People are afraid of wolves, you know, and I think there's uh, wolves are, you know, part of the ecosystem. And uh, so it's, a, it's just to me, it, I'm not even reading it as a, 
social statement by any means, but it's uh, it's just fascinating to me. There are ideas that I put in this next book that came out of this idea of, of the ecosystem and returning wolves to uh, Yellowstone, uh, for example, and what that did actually to create a more healthy ecosystem, because I think that's businesses are a lot like ecosystems, frankly. <laughs> and if yeah. one part's out of alignment, if one apex predator is not present, uh, then things fall apart. I just think there's so many things in other parts of life that uh, that have a lot to teach us about uh, business. Yeah, I, I think that's incredible. I think that's a valuable piece of advice. John, this this has been so wonderful speaking with you and you have such a wealth of knowledge. I, I just loved having you on the show. You know, where can individuals go to learn more about you and, and your companies? Well, I appreciate that, Chris, and I've enjoyed my time here as well. But easiest place, I mean, uh, I'm on all the social networks as as Duct Tape Marketing, but if uh, you just want to drop by ducttapemarketing.com, which is D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E, uh, marketing.com, you can find my podcast there, find my books there. Like everybody, I got free stuff there that you can subscribe to, so uh, check it out. John's been successful for 35 years for a reason. His advice works. Like what he said about growing with your customers, if you find out where your customers want to go, you can spend your energy helping them get there instead of searching for new customers. I'd like to thank John Jans from Duct Tape Marketing for sharing his story with us, and I hope you gained some valuable insights from the conversation. You've been listening to the Personal Injury Marketing Mastermind. I'm Chris Dreyer. If you like this episode, leave us a review. We love to hear from our listeners. I'll catch you on next week's PIM with another incredible guest and all the strategies you need to master personal injury marketing. Mm-hmm.